The Download with DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 16 is here of Season 2, and we are in Week 8 of the high school sports season. Let's get started with Andrew Harvey of Country Financial, 6 Minutes with Sauce. A chance to catch up every other week this fall with old Mrs. Nick Broker to talk college football. Here is 6 with Sauce. Welcome back to 6 Minutes with Sauce. We're checking in with Nick Broker every other weekend this fall. Thanks to Andrew Harvey with Country Financial. And Nick, we get to check in again and say that you guys are still undefeated. How's that feel? Good. I mean, definitely some things to improve on, but, um, you know, it's, it's a lot better when you're doing it 6-0. What does it What does it mean at this point in the season when you guys are undefeated still? I mean, what what's the feeling around the program? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some excitement. and You know, I still think from a team simple, we, we've got a long way to go as far as, you know, we can still be a lot better, which is a really cool feeling. Yeah, saying that and the fact that you've beaten some really good teams, what have you really learned about this team? I mean, there's so much talent with this team. I think that's kind of the thing that jumps off is how many really good players are on the scene. And that being said, you guys are sitting, you know, atop the, the SEC West standings. Um, that's That's got to be a good feeling just in general, knowing you're in a good position at this point in the year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's definitely something you kind of strive for and something you want to contend for, for sure. So, you know, we're right there in the mix of it. What's it like watching that Alabama game last Saturday night, knowing, you know, what's at stake there? Yeah, I mean, that game was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> two really good teams going at it, you know. I mean, that's kind of what this league's all about. It's always two really good teams playing on every Saturday. and One play could really change it, you know, either way. Uh, we haven't talked to you since... Mississippi Kentucky game. What what did you guys kind of learn from that? Knowing, I mean, that's a huge win. It's a close win, and that's a win that you kind of needed to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just showed how we're capable of winning in really any way. You know, our offense. You know, we weren't as explosive as we normally were, but our, def- our defense, you know, held us and uh, made some really big plays, especially towards the end of the game, that allowed us to win. Uh, I guess we didn't. We should have talked about it at the start, but uh, I'll do it now. How was your birthday? It was good. <laughs> it was good. You know, got a good one Saturday too. So, knowing, looking at the the schedule coming up now, you play Auburn this week, LSU next week. I mean, those are two names that when you say you know you talk about SEC football, those are those are massive names. Now, they're not exactly ranked at this point, but th- that doesn't take anything away from their programs and how good they are, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean. Both those teams, you know, right now we're obviously just focused on Auburn, but Auburn's super talented. They have a lot of really good players. um, You know, we know we're going to get their best shot. and It's going to be a really good game, so we have to be able to play and play for four quarters. And when you say that, and you guys have have the number next to your name and they don't, um, how does that kind of change things? Definitely. I mean, there's definitely a bit of a target on our back that teams are going to always give us their best shot. They want to play us. And when you say that and you talk about Auburn, what would it mean for you guys to kind of win these next two and really put yourself in a position to, you know, compete for that, that conference title? Yeah, I mean, it meant a lot. Um, I don't think it's been six years since the university's beat Auburn. I know we haven't beat them since I've been here. So, um, you know, definitely a big game. What about you personally? How is How are things going for you um, knowing – I mean, like we talked about at the beginning, it's a position change, but at the same time, uh, you're kind of the, the senior leader on this on this line. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something I'm kind of embraced is kind of being more of a leader and being more involved with things like that. And, you know, I've really enjoyed it. It's gone well so far. The offense, how, how well do you guys feel like you're playing and how well 
do you feel like you still have ways to go? I feel like, you know, at, at the same time, we are playing well, but we have a lot of things we can certainly clean up really across the board. And that's kind of what makes things, you know, really fun moving forward is we have a long way to go, but we're still doing just fine at the same time. Can you believe we're already talking about week seven, knowing, I mean, this is this is your senior year? It's crazy. It's really fun by, especially now. I mean, you get in such a routine once the season starts that, you know, every day flies by, every practice flies by, and it's wild to think. You know, I've already finished uh, half the regular season. Um, we talked about it before we got started with the podcast, but uh, how are the academic side of things going? What, what classes are you taking right now, and kind of how's that? Good. School's going good. Um, I'm a business major, so I'm taking a lot of you know business classes, like uh, some management classes. I'm taking like a, a family business class, things like that. My minor, I'm taking like a it's a sports administration, so I'm taking like an economic sport or like a sports economics type of class. Yeah, which is really fun. That's cool. Um, we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, did you see the SHG Glenwood score last weekend? Yeah, forty nine zero, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I've I've been trying to you know keep up with them and everything, obviously, and it sounds like they're doing just fine. <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. But um, as you know, that game means a little bit more. So that's kind yeah, of yeah. kind of just like a, a statement game. But um, for them to be seven and zero at this point, uh, it looks like they have a chance to possibly go three A in the playoffs. So I mean, what? What's it like just watching that program succeed at, at such a high level? I mean, it's something you're really proud of. It's part of being an alum and you know, watching my brother go through it. It's something you're really proud of to see them do so well, especially in Coach Leonard's last year. After all, he's done for and everybody who's come through that program. So, uh, you know, it's really cool to see him succeed in his last year. All right, man, that's six minutes. I appreciate your time. Good luck against Auburn, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks to Nick for his time and to Andrew Harvey of Country Financial for being the sponsor of 6 Minutes with Sauce. Now let's talk about last week. What did I see? Wow. Let's get into it. On Thursday, I saw a very impressive Williamsville Bullet performance on the volleyball court. Courtney Beard's girls looked very good against a good Moreau Forsyth team, and they picked up another big win, well on their way to an outright Sagamo Conference title. Speaking of Sagamo Conference titles and big games, on Friday night, it was one of the best games I've seen all season. We finally had a close, competitive football game, and the Moreau Forsyth Trojans get it done against Williamsville to stay undefeated and put themselves in the driver's seat to win the conference. They still have New Berlin this week and Athens in Week 9 to play, but this one was huge. Aiden Reiser was all over the field on offense and defense, and Caden Maurer never comes off the field either. He had the game-winning interception in the end zone. He plays special teams, kickoffs, and punts. Oh, and he's the starting quarterback, throwing the game-winning touchdown to Mitch Williams with a minute to play. He's a kid that I want on my team no matter what we're playing. He's competitive, and he loves to win. He will do whatever it takes. Impressive showing from the Trojans, who are now 7-0. And honestly, at this point, I'm hoping for an undefeated matchup between them and North Mac in the playoffs. Imagine the atmosphere. Imagine how good that game would be. Anyway, back to last week. On Saturday, I got some CSA tennis. The Chatham-Glenwood Titans complete a three-peat for the conference. Very impressive. They have a very good doubles team, so watch for them when the postseason rolls around. That brings us to this week. A big matchup on Tuesday in Chatham for the CSA soccer title. 
and I completely dropped the ball. I missed the game's only goal, had an issue with my memory card coming out of halftime, and Jake Hamilton scores the game's only goal 90 seconds into the second half, and it holds up. The Titans are one win away from an outright conference crown and an undefeated CS8 season, which... They will get tonight when they play Decatur at Decatur. I'll be there for that one to make sure we have a few goals and see the Titans clinch. That leads me to what's coming up on Channel 1450. What to keep an eye on. What are the big games coming up? On Thursday, like I said, Glenwood at Decatur. Co-op for soccer. Then I'll be at Williamsville for the Bullets hosting New Berlin with a chance to wrap up the conference crown. They clinch at least a share on Tuesday with a win at Illini Central. Now Thursday... They will host the pretzels and look for the outright title on Thursday. Also, Robert will be making the trip south to see Lutheran High take on one loss Lincolnwood for a big MSM battle. Two really good teams. That'll be a fun one at the 1A level. On Friday, it's week eight of the high school football season, but we will start with soccer, actually. SHG will be playing for a regional title at Warrensburg, so Robert will be there to see soccer early on Friday. Then he's headed to Pena for that big matchup in the SCC, North Mac at Pena. On Friday, I will be in Rochester for Jacksonville versus the Rockets, two CS8 playoff teams. More on that in a minute with our special guest. We will also have highlights of Williamsville at Plains, Glenwood at Springfield, Olympia at Auburn, New Berlin at Monroe Forsyth, and Lamphere at SHG. On Saturday, I'm headed south, very far south, to Southern Illinois to see Western Illinois take on the Salukis. A ton of CS8 and Rochester guys, including the two starting quarterbacks, Nick Baker for SIU and Clay Bruno for Western. Excited to see that game on Saturday afternoon. Also Saturday, Leanna will be at Central State 8 Cross Country, and we will have highlights of Riverton Regional Soccer Championship game, likely the Bullets in that one next week. It will be very volleyball heavy with a lot of great games. Monday night, Metamora at UHI, Pleasant Plains at Rochester, and SHG at Williamsville. Tuesday is City Girls Swim. We've got sectional soccer at North Mac, a doubleheader at 5-7, and seven, likely featuring SHG and Williamsville in those two games. Also Wednesday night, Pleasant Plains at Lutheran Volleyball and Williamsville at Mount Pulaski Volleyball. Next Thursday, Williamsville Volleyball at Hartsburg Emden. That's a big one. That's what's coming up on Channel 1450. Make sure you check out the ton of preview and premium content that dropped last night on the website. Now, let's get to this week's guest. Here is Jacksonville football head coach, Mark Ground. I'd like to welcome back Coach Grounds to the podcast. It is year two for the podcast and year two of you guys making the playoffs. I thought it was a great time to kind of catch up and see how you're doing. So, first of all, going into week eight, how are you feeling? Tired, you know. It's 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 uh, it's a grind to get here. Uh, it's exciting, uh, but but in our league, you know, there's there's no uh, there's no easy prep weeks. You gotta you gotta bring your your A game and and put the put the work in each week. And you know, our our league trades film every single game. So by week eight, you have seven films that you break down. And you know, some people don't break down all seven. We do. You know, we want to be as thorough as we can. So your your Sundays and your Saturday nights get a little bit longer and longer as it goes, but uh, knowing that you got a chance to play that tenth game, it makes it all worthwhile. And it's got to help just the program's mentality, the program's excitement level, the energy around the town, around the community to say we're back to where we wanted, where we want to be. I mean, as a baseline, you want to make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, and we 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 count that spring season. We had a really good team in that spring season. So in our mind, that that was a playoff team. They finished four and two, uh, you know. So in, in our mind, we're three three years in a row of being back to where we, we want to compete to get into the playoffs, be there, and then hopefully do some damage. You know, we'd like to we'd like to get to game 11, 12, 13, 14, but uh, you can't you can't do that unless you put the work to get to game ten. 
and uh, our kids have done it. You know, we've, we had a great off season last year after the after qualifying for the playoffs. Uh, I, I think that it's gonna it's gonna do similar similar to us uh, to to motivate the kids. But it's also important that those young kids that are playing youth football come and see see quality play out on the field and the excitement that the community has. You know, it makes them want to be a part of it. So you know, success does breed success. When kids at the grade school level, the middle school level, see Elijah's name in the paper, see Cameron's picture in the paper or whatever, it's got to be like, I want, I want to be that someday. And that's got to start from the ground level where you say, hey, we have to get the youth involved and get them to understand what it takes to, to reach that level. First of all, we tell our kids, you, our players, that when you're in the community, no matter where you're at, they know that you're a football player and there's always young eyes on you. And you have an obligation to, to act a certain way and carry yourself a certain way because of those young eyes. Uh, we this this last year we partnered with the YMCA and, and really reorganized our entire youth football uh, to the USA developmental model, to where first and second grade are, are playing flag football, third and fourth grade are seven on seven flag football, fifth and sixth grade are helmets and shoulder pads, limited contact, but we're staying at home. 7th and 8th grade was full contact, and we played in the, in the Springfield League that we've traditionally played the last 12 to 15 years. But early on, getting kids involved you know, in flag and not contact, it's allowed some of, some of the concussion issues that, that plague the game still, uh, the, the, the developmental issues. Uh, it gives them an opportunity to go out and still play football, still get exposed to the fun parts of it, uh, but I don't have to have a, uh, a third or fourth grade dad who's a coach teach him the most dangerous part of the game, which is tackling. You know, I, I've caught some some grief that we've limited the amount of tackle that that uh, goes on in the community by by parents and mostly dads that were former fo- high school football players. But when I sit down and I explain to them the reasoning behind it and what it will allow us to do, is oh, that makes sense. So. You know, I'm really excited about the amount of kids in this community overall that are playing some form of football. And, uh, you know, the high school having some success, you know, that, that I think will continue to, to make kids want to be involved with it. This may be a softball question, but I, I feel like it's important to ask. Why is it important to start building from first, second, and third grade for a football program, especially in a community like this? Well... Kids, I think that kids have changed a little bit in the fact that they need a certain amount of comfort before they have the ability to, to put themselves out there. And when I say this, right now, you know, you with the concussions, you had a lot of people that said, well, we're going to hold back and not let you play until, until you're in high school. Well, when you have a core group that have played from fourth grade on in tackle football especially, Kids don't want to go back at, go out for the first time in, in high school because they they don't you know they don't know it they they, they don't want to look foolish or they, they they you know they don't want the anxiety of having to pick something up because what happens if I fail? Yeah. Well, sports you know sports there's winners and there's there's losers there's successes and there's failures but what it does it teaches you to get back up and learn and 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 and, and make progress because of some of the times when we fall short. And that's why I think it's important. I think it's important for kids. I think it's important for society that they compete, that they're out there. They learn the soft skills of being a good teammate, being a good citizen. And, you know, if you have kids that have some excitement of playing it, 
you know, one of the things, I'm a big multi-sport guy. If a kid wants to play uh, another sport, we find a way to make it happen with football. But but at the same time, I'm not one of the football coaches that gets upset if kids play soccer or something else. In fact, we have all of our youth football games on Saturday afternoons so they can go play soccer in the morning. I'm at soccer every Saturday morning watching my niece and nephew play. And then in the afternoon, I go watch them play YMCA flag football. So it's a full day for them, but it gives them the opportunity to do both. Because a kid never knows ultimately what they're going to be great at. You know, I've had some kids that thought they were going to be great football or bas- I mean, basketball players or baseball players, and they get into another sport, and they find out that their, their body and their skill set really helps them go to college in a sport that they didn't anticipate. So, you know, just getting them involved, I think, uh, I think it gives them a chance for some mentorship as well. You know, there's so many, so many things that our kids uh, need help with right now coming out of the pandemic. You know, in my role with the Coaches Association, I've spoken uh, many times to, to different groups about this or that. And the one thing that I really am adamant about is not only do we have to rebuild the academic culture in the state of Illinois because of the shutdown and stuff like that, we have to rebuild the athletic culture. And it's, it's going to take some, some, uh, some time, and there's going to be some bumps in the road with it. Getting kids uh, to, to get out of their comfort zone, to get back in, to, to participate in things. And, uh, you know, that's what we're dealing with. And we, we deal with it every day, and we deal with it head on. And, you know, some days it feels like we're making a ton of progress, and other days it feels like we take, you know, two steps back. It's life. And, you know, as we tell our kids, you know, we as adults, we got to put one foot in front of the other and keep plugging away. It's a question I don't want to ask and wish I didn't have to, but like you mentioned, with your role with the Football Association and um, it being so close to Jacksonville and Springfield as a community, how do you approach the the, um, the unfortunate accident that happened with the Pleasant Plains football player? Well, I, I would be remiss to make too many comments on it because I don't know all the details. Yeah. Okay, you know I've I've tried very hard in my 22 years here as the coach. To, to let to, to combat the the what, what a lot of people call the macho culture of football, where if you're hurt, you just keep it to yourself. And and, and th- I'm not saying this is what happened in that situation because no. I don't know. I'm telling you what my role has been, and and we create an environment that if you are hurt, you seek uh, a coach and medical attention. We're so fortunate that you know our, our superintendent uh, uh, four years ago added a full time trainer for us. You know, we didn't have that for the longest time. That's made things even easier for us. But, you know, in athletics as well as life, you know, there are times that you're hurt and you need to seek help. You know, so so we've done that. You know, we talk, we talk I reinforce that whenever this situation happened. I said, hey, if we're hurt, uh, you know, we got to make sure that we get you the proper attention. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, there are times that, you got to just have some hard, heartfelt conversations with our parents that, you know, you, and I've done this, uh, new, unfortunately, numerous times over the, my 22 years here and say that, you know, he's cleared to play, but I'm not sure if he was my son, I would let him play at this stage. Yeah. You know, so you, you got to have a, uh, the families involved as well. And, and what it ultimately boils down to is trust. Trust that you're going to do what's best for a kid. You, 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 can, you always are going to get criticized in this profession. Uh, as a coach or a teacher, uh, but they can't criticize you for erring on the side of safety. 
on the bright side of that conversation, I think we've seen not only what the Pleasant Plains community can do for uh, a family, but also just the football community as a whole. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to say again, you have, the follow-up to that question that you asked me, I'm not insinuating that anything was done improperly no, or anything like that. Was, because, yeah. quite honestly, I've not talked to one, one person from there. I'm just saying what we emphasize here at Jacksonville. Yeah. And that comes to some, some uh, experiences that I had as a, as a young college coach. We had, uh, uh, the year before we went there, they had a, a young man that uh, uh, passed away on the field that had hit some injuries and had some, some, uh, some internal damages. So, so that was something that has really resonated with me my entire career. And, uh, you know, but you're right. I mean, the football community, uh, the cheer community, the band community, uh, just, just the academic community around Central Illinois. You know, I've, I've always felt that Central Illinois uh, and, and the, the big small towns that, that we are really, really turn out to help, help kids. When, when there's a kid that's in that that's in, or a family that that is uh, struggling, it's 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 overwhelming sometimes the amount of support that you get for for those families. And uh, in a time of time of time of tragedy, uh, time of crisis, you know, if you're praying people, people pray together. If you're not a praying pe- person, they still reach out to try to help pick people up and 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 lift them back up onto their feet. So it's it's been been very very incredible. But but not completely surprising to me because we've seen it time and time again in this com- in these communities. Right. Um, let's switch gears back to kind of your team, especially this year. Being playoff eligible going into week eight has got to be refreshing because you say, okay, we made it, but now we got to take that next step because you saw what happened last year. Round one is not easy. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, every game that you win, it gives you just a little bit better chance uh, with the odds and the seeding. To, to make it around to, to the second week. And if you can make it around to the second week, it gives you a better chance to make it around to the third week. So, you know, the, uh, the other thing that it does, it makes going into week nine a little bit easier knowing that you've qualified. I mean, we've been, you know, the last four years, week nine, four, four and four going in and, and facing, facing, you know, just a, a, another great team from our league and, and having, having uh, to, to pull an upset to, to make it in and you know we, we face Rochester this week uh, always a challenge obviously we face uh, a much improved uh, uh, U-High team week 9 uh, it, knowing that we have 5 in our pocket already uh, it does take some pressure off take some pressure off from the kids too which you know a lot of times when, when there's pressure kids kids stress and when you stress that's when you make mistakes uh, so it's, uh, it's hard to believe we're at week 8 but uh, you know I, I told the kids, don't be satisfied at five. You can be greedy now. Let's let's get let's get six, let's let's get to six. Let's get to seven. And uh, you know, cliche, play one one play at a time. Uh, being playoff, talking about playoffs is one thing, but also being a six win team, a seven win team in the Central State Eight is an accomplishment in and of itself. And you always talk about how good the teams are, but I don't think it can be understated to say that. Legitimately, three or four teams in the CSA have a chance to be playing three, four, five weeks into the playoffs. Well, and 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 if you look at some of the pro- projections, unbelievably, you know they have SHG looking at three A. You could have Rochester at four A, possibly Jacksonville at and and MacArthur at five A, 
and Glenwood at 6A. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're spread out a little bit. But that also tells you what you're up against when you're facing teams with the, the size disparity in our league because they all have athletes. They all have talent. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, you just got to gotta 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 make it in. When you talk about SHG at three A, the I, I want to go back to that game because I feel like you guys played well in that game. Uh, obviously, the score doesn't indicate how it looked at the beginning. Um, what did you take away from that game, or what did you what can you say about it? Well, I took away that we had a lot of improvements we had to make, and I and I believe that some of the run that we've gone on after playing them is because of some of the. Some of the uh, weaknesses that were exposed by, you know, a great, great coaching staff. Uh, I took that that if we execute, we can compete with anybody. Uh, but doing it for four quarters is something that we still, you know, we've got to mature. We've got to make less mistakes. We've got to get physically, physically better. Those, 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 those are other things that I came from it. But the kids also develop some confidence from that. Hey, we can compete. You know, when we do things a certain way, when we execute our schemes. Uh, when we don't make mistakes or put the ball on the ground, good things are going to happen for us. And really our guys have, on both sides of the ball kind of had blinders on uh, and just just stared straight ahead and just keep kept taking steps uh, every week during practice. Uh, a big believer that you earn Friday night victories Monday through Thursday, and our kids have done the work. And uh, it's been it's been uh, – it's been very refreshing to see the confidence grow, but see see the uh, the execution improve from uh, week one to, to going into week eight. Confidence being one thing, but it's amazing when you see that in their face that they say, "Hey, coach was right. If I just listen to him and do what I do what he says, we got a chance." Yeah, this, this this old guy that, that that flaps his jaw at me all the time may know know something, uh, but yeah, it is, and and you know it is it is a growth process. Uh, we, we played with a lot of young guys uh, week one that was their first start uh, on varsity football and they had to they had to trust each other but more than importantly they had to learn to trust themselves they had to, they had to trust themselves that they would have the ability to go out and, and perform and and not play not to make mistakes but play to win and you know you look at uh, championship caliber teams there's a lot of older guys out there uh, and that's because they've been through, the trials and tribulations, and the faith in themselves is unwavering. And, uh, you know, we're starting to get there. One more on SHG before we move back to your team. You've seen a lot of Ken Leonard teams. Hopefully this is his last Ken Leonard, last Ken Leonard team you see. Um, but where, where do you put this team in terms of talent and, and potential? It's such a different type of team. Okay, they've always had, had two or three stars that just – you know, shown shown very brightly uh, on the on the stage. It's somebody different every week. I mean, they literally from from top to bottom. I was talking to Derek uh, before that. I said, you know, I'm looking around and I said, I don't see a lot of weaknesses. Uh, I mean, uh, offensively, they can they can, if they need to line up and play smash mouth, they can play smash mouth. They've got great running backs. They've got five legit, if not more, uh, receivers that can that can beat anybody in one-on-one situations and they've got a quarterback that I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks uh, in our state maybe ever when you look at what this kid has done all he's done is throw touchdowns and no interceptions interceptions. (laughs) and he's big he's fast he's smart some college is going to get a steal out there and uh, 
you know, defensively, those guys always put the clamps on you and take away what you want to do best. And, uh, again, they improve every week. I want to talk about your quarterback as well because um, when you talk about talent and just exposure in general, I don't think he gets enough credit for um, how good he is and how poised he is. But as a senior, I mean, you're, you're looking at the last time that you get to coach him. What have you seen from him this year that, that maybe has surprised you? Because you knew what you had. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's two or three plays every game. That you, that he makes that 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 it's not the way you draw it up it's not the way you rep it it's not the way you coach it but he just sees the big the big picture and he makes plays that it's like wow I mean I'm a fan of his yeah <laughs> you know I'm his coach but there there are times that it's it's like there's a couple plays against MacArthur Friday night that that he made and it's like wow did I did I really get to witness that and, and you know I've got a front row seat yeah so that's been great you know I I think I think that. He's embraced the new offense better than I thought that he would. Yeah. Uh, but he's been a, he's he, he's been what we expect of our senior quarterbacks. He's taken a huge step from junior year to senior year, protecting the ball, seeing the field. The game is slow for him, and he's been a great mentor, and he's been uh, a great student coach to the entire offense, and. He, he is, is instrumental with the confidence that the young offensive line has than, than any coach or uh, parent out there because of his constant uh, camaraderie with them, telling them they're doing a good job. You know, he's not, he's not afraid to, to tell somebody, hey, you got to do this this way or that way so I can do this or that. So, so he's a little bit more vocal. He's an extremely humble kid, one of the most humble kids I've ever been around. But his poise and... Uh, his his the way he handles his teammates, uh, he's he's everything that you would w- want to, want or expect out of a senior quarterback. When you talk about this offense, what are the conversations with you and him like in terms of during a game and he sees something that he has to communicate to you? How well do you two kind of work together? Well, I think I think a lot better than than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, when they're seniors, I, I just feel. And it's a Mark Grounds thing, but when they're seniors, I have a, a lot more faith in what they see out there and what they tell me. Okay, I always trust my kids, but I don't always agree with my kids. There was two or three critical situations uh, in the game this past Friday night that I went out there and I said, okay, we, we can throw the ball here because it's set up, or we can just pound it. What do you want to do in this situation? Right. What do you want to do? And uh, one time he said, let's throw it. Trust me, I'll make it. And the other time he said, let's just pound it. And we made it. Right. So, you know, you, you kind of got to trust your your leaders to lead you sometimes as well. And, uh, you know, that it's been, it's been, uh, it's been an awesome opportunity and uh, uh, a blessing to coach this whole team so far. But watching him to mature to the, just the, well, he's a Division One athlete for a reason. Right. And you see it every Friday night. And in that situation... A Division One recruit quarterback could try to get his numbers or do whatever he can do to get that flashy play. Or you know, like you said, if you want to throw the ball, he's going to throw the ball. Um, but how much does winning play a factor in what he does and how much he wants to win? Wants to win, wants to be back in the playoffs. You know, he he realizes that stats are stats. 
what you do on film is what matters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the, the volume, what you do and what they, they see on film. And, uh, you know, they see a kid that, that can run the option, they see a kid that can throw the ball, a kid that, that has poise, that can lead. Uh, so, you know, there's just a – it was big for him to commit before the season. It was big for us that he committed before the season. Yeah. Because if he's playing still for for that scholarship offer, then the pressure and the stress. He has been stress-free this entire year because of that, and he feels completely uh, excited and comfortable with his choice of Indiana State, which has made, uh, made, made it probably a lot more enjoyable for him as a senior than some of my other quarterbacks that have still been competing and chasing that offer. Yeah. You talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, so I just kind of want to circle back to Every week you trade film with every team with the teams. Um, what what exactly is that timeline like? What is that process like for for you guys? What do you do? When do you get that film, and what do you do with it? Well, I get home from the game on Friday night, and and if we're at home, we usually go out to Buffalo Wild Wings. So I'm home eleven eleven thirty, sometimes maybe a little bit later. Uh, upload the film. I do the offense defense kicking game tag in huddle. Uh, then I send send the film out. Uh, we're our conference by conference rule. We're supposed to trade by by ten o'clock or noon the next day. Mm-hmm. So if they play Saturday, we don't get it till Sunday. Yeah. But uh, then they trade that film, and so then then I will share that with all my my coaches and kids. I'll watch two to three hours of film on Saturday by myself. Just let it play. Yeah. Then then I take a break until till Sunday. And I wake up uh, early Sunday morning. I usually have a cup of coffee. I have my tack shitsus with me, and uh, I'm out on the deck watching watching game film. You know, for for about the next ten hours, and I'll start making some play clips that we'll share with with our uh, our offense. I'll we'll put some kicking clips together. Uh, defense, we're texting back and forth. Uh, about ten years ago, I quit bringing kids in on Saturdays. Because I felt they needed the, the time away, yeah. and and so many of our kids have to work. Yeah. So if they know that they can work every Saturday and Sunday, it gives them the opportunity to, to play play a sport. Right. Uh, and and I have had a lot of coaches that uh, had young kids at the time. So with with the advent of huddle and text messaging, uh, we have it set up where each coach has certain things they've got to look at, and we text message in group group chats and. Uh, we go about about formulating everything that way, and uh, then we talk talk again Monday morning, uh, and uh, that's that's kind of how it works for us, and it's it's been successful. I think it's allowed me to keep uh, a lot of my assistant coaches that are family men, yeah. But it's also allowed my kids that have to work to be able to help help at home have the opportunity to still play a sport. I talk about it a lot with college football players. And how you watch film? How do you teach kids to watch film in high school? It's going to be step by step. You, you know, a lot of it's alignment, assignment. Uh, if you can break off into your offensive line groups uh, and your skill, skill groups, your defensive groups, if you can break, the more you, that you have the ability to break out, you can have more individualized teaching. One of the ways that I teach them how to watch film is with my 18 to 20 clips of the opposing defense. I'll put a lot of dialogue boxes, uh, coaching points on that. So when they look at it and they see that, then all of a sudden they start seeing yeah. things the way that I do. 
And when you do that and you watch it with them two to three times a week, they watch it on their phones at lunchtime, sometimes in class, they get in trouble for watching it. <laughs> that teaches them how to think yeah. like a coach and how to prepare. And it's just constant reinforcement and repetition. It's no different than, than how to get them to, to throw the out route on time. And it's a lot easier to see it and then understand it and not just hear it. You know, we, we grew up in a one-dimensional paper playbook, yeah. scouting reports and stuff like that. These kids are in the digital age. They get 3D real-life playbooks. You know, our, our scouting report is all video with the dialogue stuff. So much different. Uh, they learn differently th- that way. Uh, then you, they, they see it. They read it because you have the dialogue. Then you talk about it when, again when, whenever they're there. Then they go out and they perform it. So they're, you're really hitting all of Gardner's multiple intelligences as they teach you in uh, teaching classes to help kids that learn different ways to learn. Not asking you to give away anything or any game plan, but Rochester this week. Keaton Reese is a different type of quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> what do you see from him, and what, how do you prepare for that? He reminds me a little bit of, of Blake Schnicker that played for us. Yeah. You know, we called Blake a full, fullback that could throw. I, I think this kid's a fullback that can throw. I mean, he's a ton. You know, so obviously they want to run the ball. You know, the most the most under underappreciated thing about all the great offenses they have is they were a great running team first. Yeah, you have to be. <laughs> you know, so you so you got to try to stop their run. Second thing that, that's not a surprise about you got to stop their screen game. They're great at the jailbreak screen. They're great at the now and bubble screens. And if you let them throw it out there and get eight to ten yards a pop, they're going to do it all night. Then when you stop all of those, you've got to be able to deal with their tempo, how fast they play. Then their play action game is tremendous. And the thing that nobody talks about, other than the people that have to face them. They're exceptionally prepared defensively. They don't make, give up a lot of big plays, and they tackle very, very well. So all across the board, it's just a, it's a well-oiled machine that, that has had more success than any public school in the history of the state of Illinois. And so what do you have to do? You have to match the program. you got to try to do those same things yourself. And, uh, you know, I, I, we expect it to be a battle. We, you know, we expect victory. But it's going to be a hard fought for us to get there, just like it is for anybody that, that faces them, at, especially at Rochester. And, uh, you know, the hard part is he's also a great friend. So uh, we spend a lot of time in the, in the offseason, the coaching, coaching uh, circles, uh, trying to help other kids as well as our own kids get better. And, uh, you know, it's, it ought to be a great atmosphere. How much did it help Derek and his coaching staff to maybe go 0-1 to start the season? I don't think there's ever ever a time that losing a game truly helps you. Mm-hmm. Other than it points out some areas that you've got to get better. Yeah. And when you face a Chatham Glenwood week one, like we did, yeah. and you face a Sacred Heart Griffin week one, the way they did, a lot of the other games seem a little bit slower to play than, than what that first game did. And it forces, it forces your young kids to grow up pretty quick as well. And, uh, you know, we talked after that. And, you know, we knew, he knew Griffin was a great team, and we knew Chatham was loaded as well. And uh, we had our hands, hands uh, full week one. And both of us, you know, we didn't come out the way that we wanted to. But there was enough positives that, you know, as, as a veteran coach, you don't panic. 
you teach. You go back to teaching. You go back to teaching fundamentals. You go back to teaching what we've got to do better. And I know that they did that. We did that as well. And uh, put, puts us both in, in, in the playoff picture going into week eight, which is where we both expect our programs to be. One quick question on Chatham. What, how frustrating is it as a coach or as a program when you get hit with the injury bug like they have? And it's just like you saw the potential – but man, it's it's gonna it's tough at this point when you're just hoping these guys get healthy in time for the playoffs. It's it's a frustrating thing. It's it's part of the game. You know, the good thing for them is they've got 150 kids on the team. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you have 55 kids on the team. Those injuries, you, you may not have somebody that can step up. You know, they they've been able to keep the ship afloat with those injuries. But more than anything, as a coach, you just any kid that gets hurt for any amount of time, it's just it's. It's a, a kick to the stomach that you never get used to, you never want to get used to, and you can never get over. And it sounds like some of the, some of the kids are going to be back. Uh, there's some unfortunate senior senior athletic careers that that uh, may not. And it's 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 a hard part of it. And, and you know, it, it's probably the toughest part of any any sport is to rectify the injuries and the sense of loss that you you get because of those with the enjoyment and the success of, of winning uh, is you know there are times that you ask is it is it is it truly completely worth it and uh, sometimes you say yes and sometimes you say no but you support the kids that uh, that fall you try to try your best to lift them and their families up uh, we've had some some serious injuries this year as well that have ended some some uh, seasons before they got started some during the middle and you know. As I said, if you're a person that prays, you pray. If you're not a person that prays, you, you let them know that you're there for them to help them any way possible. And uh, injuries stink. There's no, no, no two words about it. I, if I wasn't uh, in a public forum, I may use a different word than stink. But, uh, you know, it's uh, the, the, the best thing is most of the schools in our conference have some of the best medical care that's possible to keep yeah. kids healthy. We got kids that coaches that run off-season programs uh, with weights, strength, and speed that that limit the ability uh, to to have injuries. And and the old days of where you line up in, in full pads and and you, you you have full contact four straight days for an hour and a half of a pop. Those days are gone. They've been gone for a long time. So I think football coaches are at the forefront of protecting their athletes to making sure they're healthy for Fridays. So. You know, it's it's a roundabout way to answer that question, yeah. but it's something that all of us, anybody that's associated with athletics, whether it's football, basketball, softball, cheerleading, we wrestle with the injuries. With the way that he approached things and the way that he's done things so far, how happy are you to see Brett Bielema have success this season? Oh, that's great. You know, I, quite honestly, they're they're about thirty seconds away from being six and zero. Yeah. Uh, he's he's done everything that he said that he was going to do. Uh, his coaches are working hard on the recruiting trail. They're, they're hammering fundamentals. He's he's working on getting people in the stands, you know, to create the environment there. You know, he's building an entire program that you know when you have the success that they're starting to have in football. Obviously, basketball is back back on top uh, as a, as a contender in the Big Ten every year. You know. In some ways, I think that they're a little bit ahead of schedule. I thought that, quite honestly, they could be better with a, with a worse record than what they had the year before. Yeah. But uh, they're bringing in the right people with a transfer portal. He had 
had uh, the guts to, to make a, a move at offensive coordinator after one year, and you're starting to see see Coach Looney, what he's able to, to bring to the table. And, you know, defensively, that game against uh, uh, Iowa, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a college defense just so completely dominant in every facet as what they were. So it's fun. I'm, I'm a fan, you know, and it's sometimes it's been a real really hard to be a fan of Illinois. Uh, with what went on there, how how the coaches association and the kids in the state uh, were were treated, but uh, I think it probably comes from the top. I think uh, you know Whitman's done some good things. He has a clear vision of what he wants Illinois athletics to be as an alum, as a former player, and uh, you got a guy in there that's 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 working working the plan and planning the work, and uh, be nice to see them playing for the Western Western Division Championship. It was well documented that he, you know, obviously reached out and was involved with the, the high school association. Um, how has that continued, and how is that relationship with, with his staff and, and you guys? The hiring of Pat Ryan, Hall of Fame, Metamore coach when he retired, Hall, of, you know, to the high school liaison role was a, a stroke of geniusness. You got somebody with just a great demeanor in there. He has done everything to make Illinois high school football coaches feel welcome and a part of the, the university, and he backs it up. You know, he's he's at uh, comes stops by meetings. He he makes sure that uh, his people are reaching out. Uh, you got the ability to go on game day if you if if when they have those those events. I mean, it's he has literally followed through on everything that he said, and uh, he gives more than what he expects. Final thing, uh, we talked about high school. We talked about college. I just want to touch on Blake. As we go out, how cool is it to see not only Blake succeeding still at, at the highest level, but also uh, to be a teammate of Malik's, to be taking pictures with Albert after the game? I mean, that's got to just make you so happy. It is. Uh, you know, Ken Leonard went out and, uh, and watched one of the games in San Francisco, and he, and he had a picture with both those kids, and, and they sent to me. And I, I wanted to say, well, it must be nice being retired <laughs> if you can do that. But uh, what, what a great story for Central Illinois. We, we, we knew as coaches that we were watching some of the pinnacle of uh, Central Illinois football at the time. You know, don't forget, you know, the Helm kid that played played in the pros as well. Uh, so it's 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 great. It's exciting. I'm glad that he's a 49er. Uh, it was very hard for me to root for the Browns, <laughs> but I did when he was there. But uh, you know, yeah, it's just seeing senior kids. Uh, and kids from the area live out their dreams and be the best versions of themselves and uh, be great examples, as we talked about, for what can happen for you if you do things the right way academically and you put the work in in the weight room and have a little bit of luck and a little bit of ta- mix with some talent. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. I talked to talked to Blake's uh, dad the other day because I, I try to stay try to leave him alone as much as possible during the season. You know, it's it's their work time and yeah. it's our work time. But uh, says he's just really enjoying the uh, the atmosphere and, and the, just the first first class organization that the, the 49ers are. And to kind of tie that back into the conversation that you had or that you talked about with when your football players are in the community here, they're being watched. He's being watched by millions and millions of people, and to say that he's from Jacksonville has to give kids and families around here hope that you know if you do like you said, do the right things. A little bit of luck, it, it can happen. 
they can find you and will find you if you have the ability. But if you don't have the academic resume with the ability, your, your options are limited. You, you put a high academic kid with a high ability kid uh, with, with a motor and a work ethic, big things happen. And every one of these kids that we've talked about that we see on Sunday, academically they got it done. They did it in the weight room. They performed on the field. They had talent, and they had backing, and they trusted people around them to steer them in the right direction. And they 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 did it. They went there, and and they made it happen for themselves. So unbelievably proud of them all. Super. Thank you for your time, sir. I'll see you on Friday. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks to Coach Grounds. I could spend five, six hours a week talking to him about football and not get tired of it, but we wrapped it up around 40 minutes this time. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Coach Grounds for the time and to Nick Broker for his time. Make sure you share this podcast if you enjoyed the content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.